0: Friends, Romans, countrymen, lend me your ears. Hi guys, it's MC Lars with another MC Lars podcast. What is up? It is Monday, November 19th, 2018. Thanksgiving is coming up. For those of you listening abroad, Thanksgiving is a time of year when we reunite with our relatives and awkwardly discuss what we've been up to. No, I'm kidding. Thanksgiving's tight. Um This this year it's been great i just got back from tour i finished the tour with i fight dragons and yesterday i played a solo show in washington dc and i'm back home and it's just been a really really great year i wanted to kick off this podcast with a poem by emily dickinson you might know this poem it's called i'm nobody who are you i'm nobody who are you are you nobody too then there's a pair of us don't tell they'd advertise you know how dreary to be somebody, how public like a frog to tell one's name the liblong June to an admiring bog. And I think this poem is awesome because it kind of sums up what it feels like to be famous versus what it feels like to be content with a private life and a group of friends and people who you care about in the world and not worry about like the public conception. And you know, these days Brand awareness, brand leveraging this and that, like, is such a hot topic, so to speak. Um, no reference to the intro music, of course, and it's all—it's a constant chase to try to. I guess you wouldn't say sell out because it's just selling. I guess twenty years ago, you may have cal- called it sell out, but there's a mo- moratorium on uh, on our attention, which Jesse dangerously talked about how Facebook stole everyone's attention away and. The real important stuff is the human element and, you know, the person-to-person connections. That's why the podcasting, this is such a fun, cool medium, and the reaction I've been getting from everyone has been really dope. And so my point is the people you meet in this life are the ones that are important to you. And the people you meet in unexpected places are the true gems. So a few years ago, Ash Wednesday and I played this punk festival, well, kind of like a a DIY-type festival right near Seattle, and they flew us up for that. And it was kind of cool. It was in the woods. It was like on a river. It was kind of like very hippie kind of vibe. But I saw this rapper in his band named Big O from Caldwell, Idaho. And I really was impressed by this dude's set. He was really nice. He emailed me earlier before about maybe doing some dates. And I talked to him after. And like his band was awesome. He was really nice. And so Megarin and I took him on our national tour uh, I think a year or two ago. And he brought it every night. His band was awesome. Shout out to Rob and Jeff and the whole crew. But this is my interview with Miles from Big O, and I, I started with the Emily Dickinson poem because there's a lot of audacity in wanting to be a DIY artist. It's like this balance of feeling like you, ha- you have a lot to say and the technical mastery. And I really respect anyone who is a kind person, does their art, works hard to spread a message. And I wanted to talk to Miles because he embodies everything I love about like the new generation of DIY artists. And he's just a great guy. So check out his music, Big O. We did two songs together on his album, DIY Till I -I D.I.E. Or Somebody Does It For Me. And uh, we talk about the title of this song, DIY, Do It Yourself Until I -I D.I.E. Do It Every Day. That's so tight. So this is my interview with Big O. Shout out to Big O. Also, of course, I want to give a shout out to the new Patreon supporters. Shout out to Doug, Max, and Christopher, and also some of the old school homies, Vernon, Brian, and my big homie, Tony, who's just mad generous on Patreon. So, thank you all for your Patreon support and love. Chronicles of Narnia, like I said, it's in the mix. And ch- stay to the end of the podcast because I have a promo code that is going to give you 50% off all the merch on my merch store, mclars.net. I'm not doing a Black Friday sale, but I'm doing a 50% off for the podcast listeners. So, you want the promo code? Either just fast forward to the end or listen, and it's a great interview. With my man Miles. Alright, thanks y'all for coming to see me this year. I'm done with shows until December. I'm playing a show with Living Legends and all these homies. Kosha Dills, all the homies in Los Angeles on the 21st. With Zion I, Prof, Abstract Rude, Fat Lip from Farside. Which was my first ever hip-hop show. So that's still... This is my interview with Idaho's Big O on the MC Lars Podcast ladies and gentlemen welcome to another episode of the mc lars podcast now this week i've got one of my favorite people in the world here with me at my apartment in brooklyn straight out of caldwell idaho what up big o
1: Hey Lars, how are you? Oh my gosh, I
0: can't believe you're here.
1: Hey, I'm super excited to be doing this with you.
0: Here's some background for the uh for the listeners. So it was summer of 2016. I was playing this festival called Van Fest, this DIY festival near Seattle. I had no idea what to expect. All right. So I'm walking around. It was like on this by this beautiful river. Like you don't ever play shows that are in such a naturally beautiful place.
1: Yeah, that place is great.
0: And uh everyone's like, "Yo, you got to watch Big O. Yo, you got to watch Big O." And honestly, there you know, it wasn't like it wasn't like Woodstock in terms of attendance, but <laughs> it was it was like Woodstock in terms of flavor. So, I was there with my now my wife Ashley. Ba- back then she was just we were we'd started dating like we'd been dating about a year. And I watched your set and I loved it because it was edgy, it was energetic, you were funny. You were engaging. You had a great band. And it was rap, but it was also like hardcore and like punk. And it was everything that I feel like I try to do with my music, but like in a younger, fresher way. When I met you, you were like really nice. I play with a lot of bands. And if I meet the people and they're not like humble and cool, I don't really mess with them. You know what I mean? For sure. For sure. But you had emailed me before. Yeah. What are your memories of that day?
1: So I I remember being super stoked. It was like my... Probably, I think it was the third time I'd played VanFest, maybe. Uh, shout out to Van Wolf who puts that on. Uh, he's a killer dude. But um, we, uh, I had been, like, an MC Lars fan for, like, a hot minute since, like, probably, like, 06-ish. I think the first thing that I ever saw about your music was uh, signing emo. And I was just like, this is actually really funny, which then led me to look into other stuff. I was like, oh, this is actually really cool. I've never really experienced anything like this. And, like... I think I found that through like an old, like before they were hot, uh, gym class heroes, like link or something like that. And so, uh, anyway, I heard like, whoa, MC Lars is playing this. And I'd emailed you before, like, Hey, if you ever come through Idaho or the Northwest, like let's do a couple dates or whatever. And then I was like, Oh cool. MC Lars is playing this festival. And it's like somebody I've listened to for like over 10 years. That's cool. (laughs) And like I messaged Van Wolf. I was like, Hey, is this like real or whatever? Cause like, (laughs) That name was just to put into perspective, that name was like almost a little bit too big for that <laughs> festival. And um so I messaged Van Wolf. he's like, Yeah. And then the lineup came out a couple of days later, and it was just like I was playing directly before you. I was like, Whoa, that's super cool. Maybe like maybe maybe we'll get a little bit of time to chat. And then like oh, previously I'd seen you at Warp Tour too, but that was like And we met for a second at Warp Tour, right? Yeah, in absolutely. Portland. No, no. It was in Boise. Oh. And uh, the Bowling for Soup dudes were there too. And They're so, watching also. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. But that That's was really sad. cool. That site. And um, rest in peace, Warped Tour. And then I looked up during one of my songs, which is weird because I generally don't pay attention to what's going on during a set. And like you were watching my set. And I was like, oh, this is super nice of him. What a nice guy. And then I also remember Ash Wednesday was wearing this uh, uh, New York Knicks shirt it was just like super cool and super retro i was like oh these people must be really cool and that's That's so nice yeah
0: thank you miles so after that tour we kept in touch and like for the first time i i'd ever had the opportunity to like take an artist a newer artist on the road so we did you were awesome to play
1: how many shows did we do like 20 or 30 i think i think we did 28 shows in like Thirty two days, I think is what it was. Across the US with
0: you, me and Megaran and your band. Yeah. And uh it was quite an experience because I think well, I don't know. That was that one of your first big US tours? Yeah,
1: that was my first like full US tour. Wow. And like I'm just gonna brag to the listeners here on MC Lars for just a second. Uh we had just played like a, a show with them at Vanfest Fest and um I was like I was talking to like my band afterwards. I was like, that is like one of the nicest people I've ever met. And I pitched to him real fast. I was like, this is my opportunity. I'm going to pitch like a business thing to him. I was like, Hey, next time you guys come through, like I would love to do like three or four dates with you, like Northwest stuff. And, uh, you were just like, Oh yeah, yeah. I'll I'll shoot you an email soon or whatever. I was like, that guy was so nice. And I was like, he'll probably never email me, but that was (laughs) super nice. And then I was sitting at home and, uh, I was on the back patio and like my phone went off. Uh, and I looked at the email and you're like hey are you interested in doing some dates I was like oh super cool like you must be coming through Idaho or whatever and then like you sent me a rough lineup of the dates I was like oh my goodness this is like full US this is like what I've been working for my whole like music career this is unbelievable so yeah it was super super rad
0: you guys worked super hard and you guys we played some songs together at the end of my set right yeah yeah which was really fun like, like being able to collaborate together and then before that We did a few songs on your um, last EP, right? Right, yeah. And so,
1: um, when did that come about before the tour? Yeah, so that was that was supposed to be released like two months before the tour, and then stuff from my camp and my crew just really got slowed down and bogged down, and like I ended up releasing it like the day or two before we left for tour, and wasn't able to push it correctly. But you sold it right on on the yeah, we sold out of it on the road, which was super cool. I think it was really important for us being a new act in a lot of these areas to have somebody with an established name, like on that EP, like, Hey, which, which EP of these do you, uh, do you prefer that I buy or which one would you like recommend? i just like, well, this one has an MC Lars track on it. And it was just like, you didn't even have to say anything. It was just like taking money. So like <laughs> it, it was really super helpful.
0: We did a video for this song, right? Yeah. 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 You know, something I've learned is when you treat people well, and treat people kindly, that comes back to you in a really great way. Like our friendship means a lot to me. And I think that a lot of times like bigger artists, bigger bands I've toured with, like I definitely love them and stuff, but I don't, you know, they're not as close friends. It's like we were in the, we were in the trenches. We were at war together.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Like I remember the first two or three dates that we played on that tour, like for some reason we sold like no merch. And i was just like oh man like Mm. this is really scary well the first few i i know what you're talking about because our first show was brooklyn knitting
0: factory which that is brooklyn it's so hard to sell merch in new york Mm. if you're not like justin bieber yeah and then we played what was the next show probably like was
1: boston after that i think and
0: that's that's also a rough place to sell Mm. merch because it's you know i found in the bigger markets people are they already they live in smaller apartments so they're not collecting as much and they're so used to music coming in Mm. versus like Denver's a city where merch is always good. Okay. You know what I mean? Like smaller cities are still
1: big. Interesting.
0: So it's, it can be, I know I've had that experience too, where you start at a tour and then I found when you don't worry about it as much, oftentimes people pick up on that and they're more excited to buy the merch. Like if you're like, trying to push it and people can tell that you're stressed out, but you were always very friendly. You're good at engaging people Mm. at the merch booth.
1: I think another thing that was super helpful was, you know, I had a crew of three people, me, my bass player and my drummer. It was super cool to not just have to like feel like you're stuck behind a merch desk. Like we were able to take rotations and like somebody could come and initially talk to you and like nobody really buys merch at the beginning of a show but like you've made that initial contact yeah, and then later you're gone and they get to talk to somebody else from the band. And it's kind of like, whoa, I'm eating all these people from this one camp. Like that's super cool. I think that was a huge, uh, huge part for us.
0: I think, and that is the difference in being at the DIY level versus the bigger theater show level. Yeah, absolutely. Because it's, it's it's your blood, sweat and tears Mm -hmm. and it's your gas and it's your, recouping your credit card costs and everything. <laughs> Absolutely. And yeah. that, and I think people who come from this world kind of like understand what that struggles about. Right. And they also understand the sacrifice. Like all of us could be doing desk jobs potentially or something or working, doing something else that might, that might not be as much of a risk mm-hmm. and might pay off in the short term, but like that it's a sacrifice to roll the dice and see what happens mm-hmm. and to I don't know. And I think it makes the stakes higher at the show. One thing I love about your show is that you'd sound check and then you just move everything onto the floor.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And see what happens. Yeah. Um, Yeah. That was, that was kind of like a play on the floor kind of tactic. Like, I don't know. Cause I really believe that like music is equal with people. And I think so many people that like have never been in a band or anything, they're like, Whoa, look at these people on the stage. They're so much cooler than me. And it's just like, shut up. Anybody can do what I'm doing. Like, I am not special at all. Like, I want you to know that like, I'm part of the people part. Like, it's not like, Hey, I'm on this stage afterward. I'm going backstage and straight to the van and don't want to talk to anybody. It's like, the reason I'm doing this is because I want to like positively influence people. And I want to be able to hang out with people and meet cool people and be friends and stuff. So, and, and, and maintain those friendships. Absolutely. Online or real life. And that's probably like something that's so much different from like, when you started making music is like social media is like so much bigger now that like one thing that I've done is a practice that I make and it's kind of a secret of mine but after every show I'll go back to the event while I'm like laying in bed that night and just friends request everybody that went to that event (laughs) oh that's great and that way I'm like connected and it's not like a friends request let me abuse this it's just like hey this is like my form of a newsletter now. And like, that's how I've been able to maintain friendships with people like that. I've met once for like five or 10 minutes and you get a nice message. Like, Hey, you guys were cool. And it's not like, Oh, I feel good about that. It's like, thanks. What are you up to tonight? And like, that's, that's how you amazing make friendships, you know, and, and investing in it. So it's not
0: just like analytics and social media metrics.
1: Yeah. Cause people, people can tell when you're like just about money and people can tell whenever it's like, oh, this person is like nice, you know. It's it's very interesting. There's a quote, a
0: Jelly Offer quote, I I put I try to put in every one of my records. It's from his No More Cocoons liner notes, his hmm. spoken word album. And I said he said, Anyone could have made this record, now go do your own.
1: That's really cool. And I
0: try to put every album i have ever put, I quote I put that quote of his. That's awesome. And I think that's the whole thing of punk. I mean, not to be too cliche, but like that that the boundary between the audience and the stage is like a is a invented thing yeah absolutely and it's really it's really like the hegemony of capitalism and like big business has worked to make that boundary very very strong so that people won't feel empowered to make their own music
1: absolutely yeah it's 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 very interesting
0: and you recently did some shows in asia
1: right yeah yeah i actually just got back like W- not not even a week ago so i'm still like jet lagging or whatever but i was super fortunate to be able to play uh this event called Asian Fest that happened at the Asian Games which is like i heard like the Asian Games is like that's kind of cool and then like i didn't realize like it's actually a really big deal and it's like the olympic teams from all of the asian countries competing and they do it like every like off year from the olympics oh wow and so like it's these super high-end high-profile professional athletes that like I, it, it was a much bigger deal than i was expecting uh-huh and like it was it was really cool so to be able to play at a uh capacity that big and uh it, it was just it was it was great it was unbelievable then after that i was able to play a, a diy show in singapore and Singapore like killed it, it was super cool. You know,
0: it's like having that attitude where you appreciate gigs like that and you appreciate meeting the people and everything is what makes it all worth it. Yeah. Versus like, you never wanna be, I found as an artist, I never wanna be at the point where I'm like, looking at these dates and like, oh, it's a checklist, I can't wait to be done. Mm-hmm. Versus this is a once in a lifetime opportunity. Yeah. And this is like while we're here. Yeah, you know? absolutely. That's cool. So yeah. your, your network is, is international at this point.
1: Yeah. Um, you know, I think w- whenever I started big, I started it like a hundred percent with the intention of touring mm-hmm. and like, that was like my business plan and everything. And then at one point I was just like, interesting. Um, I want to tour Canada. I want to look into that. And I started looking into it and like read a whole bunch of like discouraging things or whatever. I think this is very interesting. And I was just like, you know, everything here is telling me not to do it. And that's exactly why I want to do it. And so I just went for it and booked a Canadian tour, all DIY style. And like financially we did great. And it was one of the funner tours I've ever been on. And like, how long were you uh, on the road up there? Uh, we just did, I don't remember if it was 10 or 12 dates. It was the Western half of Canada. So we went up like through Montana and did That's like awesome. Edmonton Calgary? and Calgary wow. and then hopped over and did like some, uh, like four or five different BC dates. And then like, what was really weird was we played cause there's not a lot of major cities up there. Right. And so we played a lot of these small towns and like, it treated us super good. Yeah. It
0: was really, really, really cool. I think there's Canada like the, there's a lot of respect for the arts up there. And I think a yeah. lot of respect for DIY music. Yeah. And, um, it's just, it's also just so beautiful. Uh uh-huh. We went there for our honeymoon to, um, we were staying near Calgary in. Um, in Banff, probably. Yeah, huh? Banff we, is rad. Yeah, we we stayed near Banff in a town called Golden. Okay. And we we went and hiked this thing called the Burgess Shale, which is like a fossil site.
1: Oh, that's cool. The
0: Rockies, and I'd never been up there, but like i um, I was like, okay, I, I definitely need to tour oh. up here one day. Yeah. Because I played, I played Toronto, I played Montreal. That's cool. And oh,
1: Ottawa. That's really cool. So I've never done Eastern Canada. So together we've done the whole. Yeah, country. yeah, yeah.
0: No doubt. <laughs> well, I want to talk about some of your lyrics and some of your songs that have always. Spoke to me.
1: Okay. Okay. And and
0: something you've just talked about, touched on this. So on your DIY Till I Die or Until Someone Does It For Me record EP, you have this great song called That's What I've Been Told. Okay. And I think that I love that song because you're kind of like explaining, you're not going to settle for like people's bad attitudes or people's negative reactions to things right and that's what you're talking about with the Canada tour Mm -hmm. people were like oh you shouldn't do it but you
1: did it and you had a great experience yeah absolutely will you would you mind talking a little bit about that song um yeah that song uh you know the, the the hook in that song is just that's what I've been told that's what I've been told always do what you've been told that's what I've been told and uh you know I think we live in this society that is just like very much so like graduate high school go to college graduate college get a career job Get a partner, uh, have kids if that's in the cards for you, uh, retire and set you know, your kids or your grandkids up to do the same thing as you. And it's just like this like, revolving, like the American dream or whatever. And uh, I really, actually, what kind of caused me to look into that was an old uh, August Burns Red song. Mm. And uh, I was just like, this is very interesting. And so, um, yeah, I've always just been like, I'm a firm believer that like God created the world and like the reason it was created was for people to enjoy it. I was just like, I have this entire world to enjoy it and that's like my plan to do it. And that's not going to happen if I'm working 40 hours a week, eight to five behind a desk or whatever. Like, and so I just kind of did things uniquely and differently. <laughs> and anyway, long story, uh, right out of high school, I knew college wasn't for me. Uh, because I come from a family that wasn't able to like afford to put me through college. And I certainly wasn't about to go into a whole bunch of debt for it. And so I got a, like a professional job delivering mail at the post office. Oh wow. And it's like a good government job that like paid way too much for a dumb kid who was 18. (laughs) (laughs) And, um, you know, I did that for three years and, uh, that's when I was just like, this is very interesting. And so I donated Six months of my time, I told my boss, like, hey, I have this opportunity. I'm going to go to Congo, Africa for six months. You can either fire me or keep my job for me. And he's like, yeah, you're a really good worker. We'll keep your job. And so I went to Congo and just like that was my way of like giving back. I lived in some orphanages and just like helped out in some community stuff. And uh, it was super cool. I came back and that that's whenever like it just bit me like, Hey, you don't want to do this for the rest of your life. Mm. And so I like saved more money. It worked another year, quit the post office and I haven't had like a real job since then. Because your business big O it's been profitable, right? For the most part, you know, it's, it's been okay. There's definitely, uh, times that like I've had to stop and get side gigs. Yeah. Uh, which like I think a side gig is a real thing for most DIY musicians. Um, 20 2017 was the first year that like music paid all of my bills and i was like kind of busy and wasn't able to have like a side job and so like it was it was literally just like pay bills and that's it it wasn't like pay bills and put money into a 401k or anything stupid like that yeah but uh there's some crazy stuff happened and like we went through two major like tour van breakdowns and then we got robbed yeah, and like I ended up maxing out like three credit cards, and I was just like, "This is crazy!" And like we've been pushing so hard, and so we kind of just took a, a a break or a stop. And uh, you know, I got I've been driving Uber for the past few months. Oh wow! Uh, trying to uh, get out of debt, and it's 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 looking like hopefully by January I will be debt free again and kind of geared up ready to go. And it's it's been a really nice break because it was. I don't know, it was, it, was, it was interesting always being on the go and kind of always feeling like, you know, you're one step closer to being closer to success, but never being there, Like kind of like a constant failure type of mind state. And so to uh, take a break from that and sit back and look things over, maybe like revamp some business structure, uh, go over some ideas, and then to write some just fresh material yeah. has been has been killer. And so like, it sucked. I wish I could have been on the road this whole time, but it's been great to be able to um, just take a break and kinda like rejuvenize my spirit, I guess.
0: And I think that that is, you hit on something interesting that a lot of DIY artists get to the point where it is self-sustaining. You might not have that time to create new music or, or to be like a spiritual person and think about why do I do this? I know for me, like after I made my first record, Well, my first official album, The Graduate. I was out Mm -hmm. on the road so much, and it took me so much longer to make my second album than Mm -hmm. I needed. And I think that like fans appreciate when you take time away. But I was, you know, trying to pay the bills and like debts, and it was uh, it was kind of exhausting. And but but I think it's like things work out. And having a having side jobs can give you other ideas for songs.
1: Yeah, yeah, and that's that's kind of how that's what I've been told came came about is um i knew i wasn't financially set up for a full u.s tour and i could have made it but like i'm super i try to be responsible financially so i was like i want to have a little bit of money put aside in case something crazy like i don't sell merch happens Mm. and so um before as soon as i found out as soon as you invited me on the on the road for that tour um i went and got a job installing uh garage doors And so that I I wrote the hook and like the first verse on the way to work one morning at like 5 AM, just like, you know, realizing like, I trade a third of my day, you know, to work. And that's like a third of my life that I'm missing. Like that's insane to me just to like make this money. And like I hated that job and my boss was a jerk. And like, it was just Mm. like, I, I wrote that song. Like, that's what I've been told, like, go to work, uh, you know, live this American dream.
0: It's one of your more narrative songs because you start the day out waking up and talking about, God, I don't want to go to work right now. Yeah, yeah,
1: because it's not like wake up, refresh, like what do I got to do today? It's like I totally have to like, like go pay the master right now, you know, and like it it was crazy. And that, but that you were fixing garage doors and that
0: opened doors for you in your career. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. You could then do the tour. Yeah, absolutely. And um. I think something else that we have we've bonded about that I'll just bring up here. Like I don't talk about this a lot, but you and I are both Christians. Yeah, absolutely. And you and I are both sober. Yeah. And I think like in a way that makes well, I don't know. It's a big. I don't you know really ever talk about this, but it makes me have faith that things will work out.
1: Yeah. Even, even when
0: things get rough, and I don't it's something
1: we, we I think we bonded on a lot. Uh huh. Absolutely. And I think as soon as you take like for me for me at least as soon as you take religion aside from like a spiritual side or like a relationship with, uh, with God, like it's, it's something that is so real and so different. Uh, I had and have big issues with, uh, religion and like to kind of step that all aside and be like, you know, I believe God loves me and that, you know, he's going to help me work through things. Uh, I think, you know, that's, that's, that's the coolest thing. Yeah. Like the church itself generally isn't going to do that for you. And like, (laughs) you know, it's going to be a whole bunch of people that let you down because that's what people do. People, no matter what will let you down. And like, for me, God is always with me. And so like, it's cool just to see that part of it.
0: And, and you see that when you have that, when you approach the road in that way, not what can I get out of this? It's what can I give back to this world? Absolutely. you, You talked about how like, you feel like felt like God put us here to make life fun. Yeah. And I agree with that. And that's the aspect of play and joy that is in punk. Mm -hmm. And I think if you look at like Jesus as a, as a historical figure, he really was about breaking down boundaries and, and having a, having spreading a message, but not needing like Facebook to do it. Right. Yeah.
1: And on (laughs) top of all of that, like loving the people that are going through hard times and dealing with difficult circumstances. It wasn't like you're in a weird spot. I'm going to avoid this. It's like, you're the type of person I want to be around. And she's like, that is so rad.
0: That's something you bring. And I think it's something I've tried to bring in why I think like I've been able to do this for 15 years. Yeah. Cause I have a lot of faith in, and also, you know, and letting the fans know that we care about them and that we are, equal to them, mm-hmm. and that we're very blessed that they, they're they aware of us. Yeah, right? absolutely. There's a, I wanted to share a story with the audience that it's kind of, it makes me like emotional, but it's a sweet story a, a fan of ours told us this story before I went on tour with you, after I'd met you, that she, one of her favorite memories was, it was New Year's Eve, and you came up to her and her daughter and gave them a hug or something, and, and then like a few months after that, her daughter, her little baby daughter passed away. Mm. And that was one of her daughter's favorite memories because she was a fan of your music. Mm -hmm. And I was like, God, that's, that's, that's as real,
1: real as it gets. Yeah. That, that, that was wild. Um, yeah, that's, that's my friend, uh, Robbie from back home. And like, it was, it's, it's just wild to see how, how music works with people and how, uh, you know, everybody, everybody in life has their own craft, their own things that they're good at. And I think everybody should use that, positively and to be able to help connect and comfort people and uh i think you know music in that circumstance was like something that worked really well and uh it's 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 just wild to see that like musically and i don't know about musically but like people wise i can influence anywhere from like a five-year-old girl to like somebody who's in their mid 40s age doesn't matter and yeah, where you're from doesn't matter exactly
0: that's also what i like about your lyric writing because you say things in a surprising way what i like <laughs> about your lyrics is that they're very and everyone listening i I encourage you to go to big o's band camp and check out his albums but um you, you say things in a clear way that has always has a funny twist to it or your flow is always like a little unorthodox and like different (laughs) and 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 then listening to your progressions between your albums like how your flow has gotten more intricate and your tone is like evolved I feel like I'm similar to this when people hear my music I always want them to think oh I could do that yeah and when I hear music I'm like I could do that and I like it because he's telling real stories that's cool I appreciate that (laughs) Lars (laughs) and it's and it's also like how you bring different elements and different genres and okay so i have a fan question for you you say on your band camp that the northwest mixtape was your second record yeah What so where can
1: people find your first because i couldn't find it online it, it, it's gone gone it was bad <laughs> bad stuff like literally i was like hey i want to make hip-hop and i want to actually i want to make hip-hop and i want to rip off mac miller rest in peace rest in peace yeah he, yeah just passed and uh real talk if you struggle with anything addiction wise, like look for help or like just straight up message me anywhere. I'd love to either help you find help or help talk you through things like addiction is crazy. And like, it's so predominant through like the music industry and people like, Oh, that that's music. That's not real life. And like, it happens for, for real people too. And so if you like are struggling with anything, like please contact me. And I know Lars is a great guy who will walk you through things too. And, um, but anyway, Put that all aside. Um. Anyway, I'm sorry. What was no we the first. So what was the name of your project before the Northwest mixtape? Long time coming. Okay. And that kind of sits back from like, I listened to a lot of hip hop and rap back in like high school and before high school. Yeah. And I would write like really crappy stuff. And um, then right as I was graduating high school, I was in like this punk band and like really loved it. And we were a bunch of dumb high school kids who had no clue what was going on and like it had no concept or no idea or never even thought about touring it was just like we want to make this music hard and like destroy stuff and yeah. people will think it's cool type of thing and uh anyway after i left that project uh a lot of time went by and i was like you know i really miss music in my life and uh i was living in oregon at the time and i met this guy at a local show who was just like hey like i have a uh, a home studio you know, just, just through chatting. I was like, Oh, weird. I've been wanting to like mess around with hip hop. And so I went to his house after the uh, show that night. And like, we just put together, like produced, composed, and recorded an entire song. Wow. And like, it, it was wild. And, uh, had you written the lyrics or you wrote them? No, I wrote them there. That's awesome. And, uh, I was like, okay, this is cool. Let's go with this. So we did like three or four more tracks, put them together, called them like an EP or whatever and uh that's how i kind of got my start into big o and that was kind of how i got my start into touring because i toured a few of those songs right away and uh you know it's just not quality music at all (laughs) at one point i was like i'm just gonna have this up here for the memories and then at one point i was like you know i can't have somebody like accidentally finding this first sure and so um I've, i've often thought about doing this super limited edition uh thumb drive that has everything i've ever done on it yeah 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 but i don't don't know it scares me i have about four or five
0: older albums on Bandcamp that i keep private that i used to host there but like i did in high school where yeah like it's a learning curve and i think it's smart to try to put your best foot forward Mm. but you got to start somewhere people always when young people ask me like what advice do you have i say well just write and record a lot yeah you have to do it that's the only way you're going to get better cuz everyone sucks when they start. Yeah. And absolutely. I I we all do stuff that still sucks sometimes, but like that's how you get the gold. Mm-hmm. That's what's great about the internet is that you can put things out and test the waters. Yeah. So is the version of Nothing is the Same on the EP different from the single?
1: No, not at all. That's the was, same same song. I was super excited about that at first because I was like, "Oh, this is where I've always wanted to be musically." And then like after listening to it now, it's like I still had so I still have so much to go, but, like, it was a huge step in the right direction. I'm heavily influenced by, like, not sounding good. Like, <laughs> I'm, I'm a huge fan of, like, giving 110% and not stopping to think, oh, I should slow down or pace myself because it's going to, like, the, the audio integrity is going to be different. And uh, to be honest, I still haven't been able to figure out how to capture my live sound on record correctly and i think it hurts me a little bit but um no that was that was a huge step for me and that was kind of more there was no hook in that it was kind of just i i want to say it was one of my more punk songs yeah yeah and uh it's interesting
0: so if you guys get a chance to see big O live, he has a full band and it's very much like a thrash kind (laughs) of experience but his stuff online is a little more chill yeah and a little less abrasive one day i feel like you'll be able to capture that live energy
1: well i i I prefer the live sound i do i just haven't figured out how to capture that i honestly think one of my biggest problems is a financial restriction because there's no doubt i could pay the right person to sound how i wanted to yeah and uh, i just don't have that ability right now do you record your band like all live for some of the live tracks? I think that's my answer because I've thought about that. I think if we could record stuff live, had a big enough space, big enough sound cancellation area, I think we could make it sound way more similar to what I want it to sound like. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I just haven't had that opportunity yet.
0: Maybe one day doing a EP of your favorite songs with your band, record it all at once and then overdubbing stuff.
1: Yeah, that that would be really cool. Saving up money from a tour or something. Yeah, to do it. Yeah, that would be that that would be super cool. A band that I'm influenced by super heavily is no longer a band. Uh, they were called uh, the Chariot. Do you know the Chariot? At yeah. All? yeah, yeah. And I know they recorded like live, and that's how they got their chaotic, nasty, dirty, just real sound. And so, um, yeah, that's it's super interesting to me. Something I've always wanted to do, and just not been able to yet.
0: In my time, I've rarely done that, recorded live stuff full with the band. Something I want to do, like get a full EP of some of my favorite songs with a live band and no samples, you know?
1: Interesting. Yeah, that's super interesting because um, one of the things that I love about Big O is our tracks have digital electronic drums in it, and then we have a drummer that plays something different. So we have like this whole weird double percussion thing and i think it's just chaotic, it's unique
0: yeah. yeah i like that a lot yeah right it's like having two drummers but one of them happens to be a digital yeah yeah and one of them is never off <laughs> okay so what were some of your inroads into rap what made you fall in love with rap as a genre
1: honestly i think it was because i hadn't found punk yet and real punk uh-huh. and uh you know there's this huge misconception that like they're two totally different things. And rap and punk are like so similar. They're very close cousins. You know, rap is very much so like, this is what I have to say. This is how I'm going to say it. I don't care what you think. Let me be real for a second. And I was like, that's that's killer. And, uh, you know, I had initially found like Eminem and 50 Cent at that time. And I was just like, oh, this is like really cool. Like, I'm probably not like 100% on board with all the messages, but like this is really cool yeah and through that i found like nwa and uh like the beastie boys and a little bit of like rage against the machine mm. and even a lot more like controversial like I, i'm I'm just gonna use the word trashy stuff like like kid rock and uh some limp biscuit stuff that like yeah I, I think i'm i can't say i'm a fan of but i can say like I can say Kid Rock has released some excellent music. He's released way more trash than he's released good stuff, but uh-huh. like he's released some really cool stuff that like most importantly kind of pushes his boundary. That's kind of how that all came about. Uh musically, the Tony Hawk Pro Skater games, especially one through four, those were a huge deal for my musical development. And that is all interesting. A lot of that's like old school rap and then punk
0: rap. Z- Zebrahead is on Zebrahead, Yeah, that's how I yeah. found Zebrahead. Yeah. What I love about Limp Bizkit and all that old stuff is it was unapologetically in your face. Yeah, and, absolutely. And that is like something that music has been missing that for a minute, especially
1: in the mainstream. You know what I mean? Like, absolutely. It's it's very much like the mainstream is very written and purposely like uh, listener friendly. Because it's not going to sell records if it's not what people like. And these people yeah. were like, I'm going to write this. And what do you know? People liked it type of thing, you know? It, so it's different. It
0: was a moment in the in the vortex that Nirvana left. There wasn't anything that that yeah. fresh after, in those years. Yeah, following.
1: absolutely. Absolutely. You know, it's just been very interesting watching people build and grow on that. And then, like, you have what, like, a lot of people consider, like, a musical dead or a musical low or lull or whatever you want to whatever you want to say. And like the reality is, is that's just like what you're able to see. If you dig a little bit, you're able to find like, Whoa, all this real stuff is still like available. Yeah. It's just not being broadcast to the masses.
0: It lives on underground. Yeah, absolutely. Lives at weird festivals in near Seattle and it lives like in small venues. And what's even more weird
1: to me about that is like, you know, there's a huge difference between underground and underestablished. Like, Like, I, I hear a lot of local bands that are just like, oh, yeah, we're this underground punk band or whatever. And it's just like, no, you just haven't done any work to be, like, known. Like, I can sit here and name, s- like, several successful bands that, like, the mainstream music listener had never heard of because... Like they're successful and they're underground, like they're they're established, but
0: like they're not under established, you know, that's a really good distinction. You can't use underground and same with punk and same with like nerdcore as a term you can't use that as, a, as an excuse to be lazy. Yeah, <laughs> don't don't be lazy embrace the <laughs> embrace those terms but don't let them make you lazy absolutely man that's <laughs> wild or, or punk, any with punk like learn how to play other genres but like that will help you excel at that one thing I yeah guess. i just wanted to talk about two things the first is i want to ask you about what advice you have for young musicians and the second is what's happened what you're working on and what's we can expect from you this year or next year Cool. moving forward.
1: My my first bit of advice that I would give people is the exact advice that MC Lars gave me and that's just to be nice to people. Um and I'll tell you in my personal life like one way that paid off was we played this show in Atlanta, Georgia together. That was in a really small venue and it was like a really cool show. Yeah. But like more people was
0: like smoking in there. Yeah, yeah, there's people smoking
1: inside. Yeah. It blew my mind. I yeah. was like, yeah, that was wild. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> I remember that show. That was yeah. a good
1: show. And um I met a manager of this famous YouTube guy there that night. And I was just like, this guy is like kind of weird, but like definitely not like mean or rude or different toward him. You know, he's a person he deserves respect. And like, as a result of that, I saw that Froggy Fresh was touring later. So I just emailed like the email on Froggy Fresh's website, like Froggy Fresh management at Gmail or whatever it was. I don't remember what it was. And like the response is back which is like hey miles this is uh so and so like i'm actually managing froggy we met in atlanta like would love to have you on a couple shows i was just like oh weird super small world like imagine if i would have been mean or rude to this guy and like it came back and we did four dates with froggy and like they were just sell out shows and just like unbelievably cool experience and so like that's all just strictly from being nice has nothing to be with like being good or cool like it's just being nice being friendly
0: without wanting something from yeah absolutely that
1: was what people appreciate my second piece of advice is like just work hard like i cannot use the amount of words to describe like the amount of sacrifices that i have made personally and it's like you know work hard at your craft work hard at your music do what you love but there's so much more than music to music Mm, and like, wow, don't be scared to uh, sacrifice. Don't be scared to try new things. It's so much work for somebody who's just like, hey, I am a talented guitar player or I am a talented rapper or I am a talented poet. Uh, I can do this. It's like, no, you're wrong. If you want to spend the money and hire somebody to do all the work for you, like, yeah, you can probably do that. But if you don't have that, large bank account behind you, Mm -hmm. like you're going to have to work hard, like playing a couple local shows. Like that is a huge success for your first step, but you know, pushing it farther is going to create so much more like work for you. It's
0: a huge learning curve from being locally known a little bit to having online presence and touring nationally, internationally. I
1: I think my, I think my second tour, I think it took me like four and a half months. To book like 10 dates
0: that you did you booked yourself
1: yeah and lost money on like yeah. <laughs> if you look at like the amount of work the amount of money put in and like the payoff and like what's wild is like i wouldn't have it any other way i learned so much from that and like i can sit back and look like the times that i invested money i lost money and then like i broke even one time i was like whoa this is oh so, so cool and then like i remember one time i was like whoa like I also didn't really work the last couple months and like mm. it's like I made a little like it's 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 wild. So yeah, it's it pays off like it doesn't always pay off, but it pays off uh like I, I don't know what the word is. Like, well that's kind of the tongue in cheek title of your last EP, right? Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah, absolutely. Do it like, yourself
1: or at least until someone does it for you. Yeah, and D- like,
0: was DIY till I die.
1: Yeah, DIY till I die or until someone else does it for me. Yeah. And, like, the reality is, like, the DIY is obviously, like, well, what's that fancy word for, like, DIY, like, means something? Is that, like, not an acrostic, but, uh, like, abbreviations, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, DIY is obviously, like, do it yourself. Yeah. But, like, there's periods after the letters on the word die, D-I-E, too. And, like, the D-I-E stands for do it every day. And it's not like, hey, I feel like being a rapper today and tomorrow I'm going to, do something different. Like, do do it every day. Like, it's got to be a habit. It's a lifestyle. If you want it to be something that's like gonna happen, like, it's got to be real to you. And like, it's never gonna be real to anybody else until it's real to you. That's great. And point. so that's like the hook of your song, right? Do it every yeah, day. Yeah. Do it every day. So it's it's yeah. And then until someone else does it for you, that's just like, I I haven't been to a spot in my career yet where somebody's like, hey. Like, let me do all this hard work for you. And then you can give me a little bit of like the like the the income from it. Like that's just hasn't happened to me yet. So I'm still doing it like I would love to be able to tour full time and not be a full time booker, you know, like it's yeah. wild. And so um that, that's just part of that for me. So that's that's the advice part. Work hard. Don't be afraid to sacrifice.
0: Side note, where does Big O come from as a name for the listeners? Because your real name is Miles. Back in the day,
1: whenever I had a flip phone, because I'm old enough to have a flip phone, um, we texted on T9. And my name is Miles. It's M-Y-L-E-S. And T9 is like, it like predicted the words you were texting according to the numbers you were pushing. Right, yeah. And uh, Miles, M-Y-L-E-S, is unique enough that it wouldn't come up in T9 and it would autocorrect to the word owler which also is not a word, but it shows like a fake word over my name. And so I'd lived with that my entire life and like, it was no big deal. And then one of my best friends, Jeff, who is actually the guy who plays drums for me. Uh, he got his first cell phone uh, a couple of years after I did. Cause he's a couple of years younger than me. Yeah. And he texted me. He's all, Hey, Owl'er," and I was like, hey, what's up? You know, because like i would always responded to that. And he just thought it was the funniest thing. And like, so they called me Owler all through high school. So was it an accident when he texted you or was he trying to be funny? From what I've heard is like he texted Owler and then like was going to like correct it and was just like, yeah, let's just see what happens about this. And then he just called me Owler all through high school. (laughs) So like the O is for Owler and like it was a horrible rap name choice. Been kicking around the idea of like trying to figure out if i can change it successfully or not uh there's also i don't know how i didn't check this before i just <laughs> went for it there's this fairly established like uh i think he's from like the dominican republic rapper named big o that people find before they find me online but your stuff
0: is i found on spotify your stuff is the highest play, more
1: played than him right uh if it, it is, is that's fairly new that's cool yeah but so you just need to out <laughs> every stream <him. laughs> yeah every time i release something Like it releases to his Spotify Uh. and then I have to go on and be like, wrong, try again. And then they're like, Oh, sorry. Here we go. And so like, maybe that's part of like, I may just be getting plays from his viewership. I don't know, but that, that was a horrible choice. And then on top of that, anytime you do any sort of an interview, everybody's just like, what's the big O stand for? Something sexual. And I'm just like, Oh, that's really funny. I've never heard that before. <laughs> like, no, it stands for cell phone texting. Like, <laughs> it's pretty good. <laughs> yeah. So it's it, a horrible name choice, but, uh, you know, it's who I am, but it's memorable. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And, uh, making, making bad choices and funny memories is like part of life.
0: <laughs> what can we expect from you in the future?
1: We've got a couple new tracks that are going to be coming out real soon. Um, one of them is completely finished. The other one is in, uh, mastering right now. Uh, that's another big step for me. I've always just I've done super crappy mixing with no mastering. And, uh, you know, this is the first time I've invested into mastering and I think it's paying off. Um, went through a different guy to record and I'm very stoked about how things are sounding that way. Um, and so we got new, a couple new tracks coming out. Um, we're going to release them both with music videos, which is also a kind of a bigger step for me. And, uh, the visual game is just so important right now. Um, one of the music videos is almost done and the other one, uh, I've been away from home for a month. The other one, we're going to start filming as soon as I get home and, uh, you know, I'm not quite sure how I'm going to go about releasing them yet. I want to release them like fairly close to each other in time and just kind of hopefully build a small swell or a small wave to ride for a little bit because then the reviews and the press will come in on it. I'm going to be playing some, uh, out of town shows coming up. One of them is going to be in Idaho falls, uh, shout out right guy productions and Johnny over there, the best promoter in Idaho, uh, stoked to be playing that. And, um, Yeah, new music coming soon. Like I said, it's been a hot minute. Took a little bit of time away from social media. Uh, Doesn't mean that we quit. We've been working hard the whole time, being able to play international shows in that time, writing new music, recording. It's all super exciting for me and to just kind of be like not stressing out about things and enjoying and relaxing and like having a good life. So
0: that's how you make the best music. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Didn't Evil Knievel jump over Snake River? Yeah. And isn't that, is that near Idaho Falls? It's
1: in Twin Falls, which is actually directly between Boise and Idaho Falls. Okay. And so there's a place called Twin Falls and he jumped, well, tried to, he failed. Oh. Yeah. Did he fall in the gorge? Yeah, but he had a parachute. So he wasn't jumping, he wasn't jumping it on a motorcycle either. It was some weird jet car mini airplane that they made that launched like straight up and then i don't know if it malfunctioned or you got scared and pulled the chute or what it it was just a giant disaster but yeah evil knievel's rad (laughs) the reason i brought that up is because i see
0: you as a stuntman miles (laughs) taking the leap that's awesome (laughs) you don't you don't wear you don't have time for a parachute
1: (laughs) of course not you know and like (laughs) it's kind of funny just i'm going to tell like just a little bit more here like that that statement is funny because i'm at I'm the correct age that like my heroes growing up were like, I shouldn't say heroes. That's a really bad word. But like the people I really enjoyed growing up was that whole jackass crew in those movies and like the TV show and just like the wild stuff that they did. And like, we did a bunch of stupid stuff like that. Like we filmed our own stupid stunts like in high school and junior high. And that was cool or whatever. But like it really, really transferred into music to where like, this is wild. This is crazy. This is a stupid thing to do. And I'm going to try it. And, like, it's it's very, very similar. So, like, the stuntman thing kind of made me smile. I appreciate that, Lars. <laughs> you don't achieve anything
0: if you don't take risks. So
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good call. Bigomusic.bandcamp.com for uh, music and merch. I also have a website that is uh, imbigo.com. Our collaboration
0: is the first thing up on here. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Um, yeah, so go to uh, www.imbigo.com. Uh, check out that music video Lars was talking about check out the couple songs we did together um, I probably do a worse job than I should with updating stuff but uh, Instagram is going to be uh, Big O underscore music that's the same for Twitter so um, I'm gonna play this song if that's cool yeah that's cool and
0: uh thank you miles this has been very awesome
1: yeah and absolutely. I'll
0: see you in uh, I'll see you
1: in Idaho yeah and like Less than a month, I think. Like a few weeks. Yeah, that's cool. That's
0: tight. That's killer. And okay, so thank you everyone for listening. Thanks to Miles for being such a great guest. Hey, it was great, Lars. Thanks, buddy. And support him. He's an incredible artist, and he's got great stuff coming out. So I'm always looking out for him, and you guys should too. Peace.
2: got a chip on my shoulder, but I've been getting much bolder. I've got words coming out the way I want to say with no delay. I portray what's on my mind today. Black and white, there ain't no gray. No confusion, I'm straight shooting. Working hard is what I'm doing. Can I have your attention, please? Don't ever tell me that I can't do it. I'm going to get to work and then I'll prove I'm tired of everyone doubting me. I'm going to do what I need to do to be me. I've been working my tail off for four, four, years. I've been doing what I can to get me here. Don't tell me that I don't belong right here. Do you see these eyes? I know no fear. I work real hard. I did my time. It's idea. DIY until I die. Do it everyday, do it everyday, DIY until I die! Independent, open eye, clear vision, all a mission. What I do is my decision. Do it everyday, do it everyday, DIY until I die. Do it everyday, do it everyday, DIY until I die! This song goes out to those who want not above me. This song goes out to those who underpaid me. This song goes out to those who never believed in me. This song goes out to those with negativity. This song goes out to those in my hometown who never bend your shoulder and let see my live sound. This song goes out to locals not sticking around. This song goes out to suckers just like this. This verse is not my final. Still look up to my idols. They
0: gave me inspiration when I felt so suicidal. Tendencies arise against anyone back in the scene. With a negative approaches, I'm still living my dreams. I still represent the bay like Steph Curry. Here's the remedy. Down on Greenpoint Ave. I'm blasting the dead Kennedy. haters are fugazi. I make it rain like Slayer. Still a minor threat, even though this G is major. And I see the earth in crisis, I'm sick of it all. When I see the youth today on their iPhones at the mall. I just want to pierce the veil, only for a minute, man. I've always been a misfit, since I toured with Simple Plan. So Miles, here's a tip, keep grinding, it will happen. You spend your mornings rapping, they spend their weekends napping. And trapping, well, not really, With their Facebook game is solid. I'd rather spend my date with the copy
2: reading of it. Hard work pays That's what they always told me And now I'm paid The suckers who owe me Trying to get a hold of me what am I supposed to do about that? How am I supposed react? to react? I smile, ignore the fact, to come back. No, 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 I'd rather eat a sucker, kill a sucker dead. Eat a sucker, kill a sucker dead, kill dead. This song goes out to those who would not book me. This song goes out to those who underpaid me. This song goes out to those who never believed in me. This song goes out to those with negativity. This song goes out to those in my hometown who never been show to ever see my life sound. this song goes after locals not sticking around
0: this song goes after suckers just like yo that was tight that was tight uh check out that song uh we did a video for that song and it's me holding up like the list of the hardcore bands i reference and dropping them my friend nicole mago shot that who also did this don't be a cyber bully video my my parts at least um The promo code is podcast. Surprise. If you go to mclars.net and fill your basket with that flavor of merch, just put that in the end, podcast, and you'll get 50% off, which is pretty good. There's a lot of good stuff there. And some shirts, actually, all those shirts I'm not reprinting except like the classic uh, Run DMC Shout out parody logo, which is, you know, one of my original designs. All the rest, though, it's the final run. So check that out. Big O open for Frontalot, Schaefer the Dark Lord, and Megaran and I in... Megaran and me, excuse me, English major, in, uh, in Boise at this place called the Funky Taco. And there was, like, a restaurant with a tier with stage that was, like, hung over the restaurant. And it was definitely, like, a... Unique setup, but Big O brought it. they kicked the night off, and uh he yeah, he came out and did his band played some songs with me. It was really good to see him and it's kind of dude. I, I wish I could see more, you know, him and his band, but uh we're homies for life, and that's the cool thing about the music business and media and this interconnected world and all of you listening. We're all really having a similar experience. We just aren't in the same place, but we can remind each other that life is good. Speaking of life being good, yo. On tour with I Fight Dragons, I got to spend two hours with the, the dude who created Roger Rabbit and who wrote the books, that Disney uh, option for the movie and a lot of the dialogue. And, you know, the characters and the story, like, the movie is a little different from the book, but it's the same rabbit and it's the same world. And, gosh, next week is my interview with Gary K. Wolf, So don't sleep on that because I I can't believe, like, that I got to hang out with him. And that, that dude was so awesome. And I definitely marked out, to use a wrestling term, but I kept it real chill. But I'll talk more about that. But next Monday, that'll be out. I'm thankful for you all. Thank you again for your love and support. Narnia Raps coming on Patreon. We got three more. And that's all. Shout out to I Fight dragons. All right, guys. Have a good week. Thanks for listening. Bye.